And so let me say welcome back to midweek service. So glad that you're here. And uh, I want to introduce a friend of mine. His name is Sammy Sawyer. And I've known Sammy like my whole life. And uh, we're not going to go into any stories about each other, are we, Sammy? Okay, I'll let you fire first. I can fire back. Uh, But I will say this. uh, I was raised in a Christian home and was taught to be faithful to to the church. And sometimes separating being faithful to the church and faithful to Jesus are two different things, and it's hard to get them both at the same time. And while I was faithful to church, Sammy stepped out and started being faithful to Jesus. And uh, he was a light for me. Uh, And we encouraged each other along the way and held each other accountable sometimes. Sometimes we just failed together, and we got forgiven together. And... uh, but we separated our ways, and, and I moved away, and he stayed here in Knox County for the most part. And, uh, but all the while, God was working in me, and God was working in him. And so he landed. Uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you. He, if you've ever seen, been to an event where they have a Barney Fife impersonator, that, this is him. Okay? And, uh, and so he was, he was pursuing a career in that of, of, of being an imposter. <laughs> And, and at the same time, he was pursuing what God had in his life. He went to Bible school, and he landed at Severe Heights, which is a really good church. And, and, and he was there in the season that it may have been at its greatest. Who knows what the future holds for it? But he taught uh, adult class, and it just grew and grew and grew. And then now he's uh, doing some other things. And so he's here with us. He's going to be with us. Is this 10 weeks or 8? Eight. This, this is eight weeks, and, and uh, so I'm glad you're here. And, and if you did not get one of these, these books or these guides, raise your hand. We'll get one of those to you. Hopefully you received one of those. Uh, so with that, I want to introduce Sammy Sawyer. He's going to be our leader. Thank you for letting me be here tonight. I really do appreciate this. This is an honor for me because Joel knows the, uh, my background. And uh, one of the things that uh, I cherish about Joel and his family is that, that I modeled my family actually after his family. That is no lie. I, uh, I told Joel and Don Dew years ago that I, uh, when I grew up, that I wanted to have four sons because I had never sat at a table to eat supper where they gave thanks. And uh, Joel's mom and dad did that. And, uh, and I cherish your pastor. His friendship to me is dear. And, um, and our faith, uh, we have we've been on a journey and uh, we've known each other for a long time. This study on the Bible that I want to do with you, I have condensed it down to eight weeks with you all, but for a reason, but I really do appreciate these books. Did everybody get one of these little pamphlets? I want you to follow along because here's what I do when I try to do a study. I am a, uh, I am a student, and what I do is I'm just conveying to you what I believe God is teaching me, and I hope you'll share it with other folks as well. But I'm big on taking notes, and sharing it with other people that you come in contact with. Back in the early 70s, myself and Joel was at a little school called North Elementary School. And I think we were in the fifth or sixth grade. And I told Joel each week, I'm gonna, I'll be here for eight weeks with you, Lord's will. And I'm going to bring something to show and tell with you each week. This week I have brought you something that I was given. Joel knows exactly what this is. It's a little Gideon Bible. This was the first Bible I was ever given. The first Bible I ever received. I would like to tell you the pages are torn and tattered, but I used a crayon on some of it. But it was, it was something that's been dear to me all of my life because I, that was my first Bible. And as I got to begin to read the Bible, and uh, I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping here for just a moment. And I made the mistake out of us at a church here a while back, and I said, I'm going to do a little house cleaning. 
And then they, they, they went right over their head like it did you all just then. But here's what I would tell you this. By way of, of teaching God's word, when you begin a study and you begin to look at God's word and you think about this, I, I never really read growing up. I really struggled in the area of reading. And some of you may be able to relate to me on that. I, I did, and Joel knows this, and, and I did not apply myself. And I never read a book from cover to cover until I was 18 years old. And I set out to do this, and I want to challenge you, if you've never done this, to do this. And, and as we go through these eight studies, I'm going to give you some stuff, some tools I hope you'll take with you. And if you are, have got it mastered, share it with some other people that may be struggling in this area of reading. But I was 18 years old, and I challenged myself to read through the Bible from cover to cover, from start to finish, from Genesis to the book of the Revelation. And I sat out, and I had some help with that, but it was supposed to take 15 minutes a day, three or four chapters a day, and, and on average of 15, 20 minutes a day for most people, it was taking me more like an hour, and that's true. But I did that, and I was so thankful that I did that but ever since then, I've tried every year to go back and read through the Bible. I'm not an, I'm not an expert. If you've come in here to hear, be lectured on, uh, by a Bible scholar, then I'm sorry to disappoint you. But tonight, what I want to do for a few minutes on this first lesson is this study of the Bible is just simply this, the reality of the Bible. The reality, and if I was to title it something else, is really this. We ask this question all the time. What is the Bible? We refer to it. We live in what's called the Bible Belt. When you and I think of the Bible, it's, it's probably pretty relevant to all of us. Now, some of you may have a background that you weren't raised in a Christian home. Maybe some of you was never given a little red Gideon Bible in elementary school. But we think about what is the Bible and what's the, what is the reality of what is the Bible, the reality of it. If you want to turn your Bible right now, I want you to go ahead and turn the text for tonight. It's going to be in Psalm, the 119th chapter. It is the longest chapter in God's Word. It consists of 176 verses. And, and in that 176 verse, each verse in Psalm 119 deals with the Word of God to help us to know and to understand His Word. All 176 verses. And when we begin to look at that tonight, we're going to look at several of them tonight. We're going to look at some over the next couple of weeks. But when you look in Psalm 119, you think of this subject of the Bible, the reality of the Bible. What is this book that has so much controversy over? It has stood the test of time for sure. Here's what I would tell you in this, the way that we look at this in the introduction on your little handout in your booklet, I want you to notice something I've put there. And, I, I'm, and here's what I think is the gist of this when we think of the reality of God's Word, the Bible. Is this, when I think of the reality and the truth is this, first of all, if we don't appreciate the standards of the Word, if we don't understand the standards of the Word, which is the standards meaning virtues and morals of that, then the second part of our introduction is we won't desire to study or to know the Word. Listen, if you're not going to appreciate the standards that are set within God's Word, then you and I are not going to study it or we're not going to want to know what God's Word is saying to us. I think we live in a day and a time, and I'm not going to get political with you tonight, but I will tell you this much. I think we live in a, in a day and time right now where our standards have really been lowered. I don't know if you all amen or not, but that's an amen. Our standards have been lowered. 
uh, we, don't, uh, we don't even try to put forth the effort to have higher standards. But God's word says that if, if we appreciate the standards of it, then we're going to study it. And I, I thought about this, and, and uh, there is an area, I appreciate you doing this. You've got a little area out to the right to write in some other stuff. I'm going to give you two or three little A words to put out from there. When I talk about studying, when you think of the word study, it, it really is a devotion of time. It's not just reading. There is a big difference we'll see in a couple of weeks when I start putting, when we look at the application of this, is when you and I think about studying God's Word, it's that devotion of time, first of all, for the attention. For attention, that you're going to have the attention, that you're going to look into God's Word. You're going to pay attention to what it is saying. But that's the devotion of time for the attention, but it's also for that devotion to acquire knowledge. People think that um, being smart is is something that uh, you're showing out. Not at all. Uh, I have some dear friends of mine. I have a dear friend of mine right now. He's 91 years old. Y'all do not broadcast this, right? Okay. I will not tell you his name because some of you may know him. He was a professor. He's one of the dearest friends that I, uh, most fun guy I've ever been around next to Joel. But he's so intellectual and so smart. It's hard for him to, to understand God's word. And so when you think about the studying and the devotion of time, is that for paying the attention, but it's also for acquiring knowledge. But the other thing is this, it's the, sometimes it's, we do it for analyzing, analyzing a certain subject. Here's the thing I would guard you against, and I know it's a long introduction, but here's what I would guard you against when we, when we study God's word. And if I'm going to give you, and I'm not going to try to lecture you and tell you how to study God's word and you go out and you do everything verbatim and you almost become a robot. But the thing I have to guard against is when I begin to study, Joel will tell you this. If there's any other preachers or teachers in this room will tell you the same thing. I have to guard against this. I study just to get a message or a lesson together. We have to guard against studying God's word Sometimes we just need to love God's word and listen to it. So that's the introduction from the standpoint of of the reality and the truth. If we don't appreciate the standards, if we don't appreciate the standards of the word, then you you and I are not going to study the word. So here's what I'm going to give you. Three simple things tonight about the reality of the Bible. The first thing is this. I would tell you our text there in Psalm 119. And before I go on, I I had a little something I wanted to share with you because people get really confused when you start talking about the Bible and study of the Bible. Uh, Bibliology is the study of the Bible. And most all of you know that. Theology is the study of God. Christology is the study of Christ. When you begin to think of pneumatology, I think is the way it's pronounced, that's the study of God, Holy Spirit. I, I hesitate sometimes to say the Holy Spirit. He is the, the part of the Godhead. But then also, angelology is the study of angels. So what we're looking at is what's called bibliology. And there was a preacher I heard just a few weeks ago of this, when, and I, I think this is really good. Keep this in mind. When we begin to look at God's Word or the Bible, we sometimes do this. We try to view it as a roadmap to our life. Myself and Joel had a, a, a teacher at our school. He was a former head basketball coach that uh, was a singer. <clears throat> and the last song he was singing as he passed away was, I'm using 
my Bible for a road map. Well, a lot of us has that ideal that their Bible is an, it's just a road map to our life. Or it's an instruction manual for our life. And that can be so. But here's what I would tell you. It shouldn't just be a book on, of self-helps, although this book certainly does help us, doesn't it? So this first thing, as you look in Psalm 119, here's what I would tell you. Look at this with me. When we look in Psalm 119, there is a, three verses I want you to look at. I say it's a timeless book of relevance. You and I, when we walk into a sermon, a church service, or a classroom setting, here's what you and I do. Now, you can lie if you want to, but I'm going to tell you something. All of you look up here at, just, at me just a moment. Every one of you are just like me. When I walk in, if I hear my friend and my brother Joel get up to preach a sermon, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to go, how's this going to affect me? What's it got to do with me? How is it relevant to me? So when we look at the Bible, here's what's important about the reality of the Bible. It's a timeless book of relevance. It's relevant for everything that we go through. Psalm 119, there in verse 89, it says this. When we think about it being a timeless and relevant book, he says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It's settled. It's timeless. It is just as relevant today as it was a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, and if Jesus tarries his coming a thousand years from now, it will still be relevant. It's timeless and it's relevant. The other thing that you look in verse 152 there in Psalm 119, it says, Concerning the, thy testimonies I have known of old, that thou hast founded them forever. You know how long forever is? It's forever. You look in verse number 160 there in Psalm 119, he says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. It's timeless, and it's relevant. I have listed several things there that I would tell you there in First Peter, also talking about it being timeless. He says, But the word of the Lord endureth forever. So what does it endure for? It's timeless, but it is relevant for everything that you and I will go through in our life. Everything about us. Did you realize our emotions are the weakest thing about us? Did you know it? Emotions are good. We cry. We laugh. I'm with Joel. I laugh. I laugh all the time with Joel. But you know, there's times that we cry. There's times we're sad, we're happy. All of these emotions, and the Bible is relevant to every single emotion we go through. Now, I've listed those on there, and I don't think you have to fill these out, but I want to I share these verses of Scripture with you that we think about this, and this is something that we deal with in this society uh, every day, but that of depression, depression. The numbers are astounding when you think about this, and my family, uh, I've, I've dealt with this within my family, but depression, you think the Bible is relevant for depression? As we look at the book of Philippians there in verse 4 and 6 through 7, he said, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your, your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. When he said be careful for nothing, it's saying, and depending on your translation you're reading from, it's, it's saying don't be anxious. But we do get anxious, don't we? And the Bible is relevant to anybody dealing with depression. There's so many other verses that would be relevant to that. Also, we look at that and we think about disappointment. Everyone in this room has been disappointed at one time or another. 
We've all faced disappointment. I think of that verse of Scripture that always comes to mind. I, I love it when, when you think about this. When, when you and I think about, does God hear my prayers when, when I'm praying and I'm going through disappointment? I love what he said in Psalm 34 and verse number eight, uh, 18. When he said this, he said, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as a contrite spirit. That word, that Hebrew word is dakah. It, it comes from a word that in the Hebrew that means it's been crushed. Uh, kind of like in the old school. I, I, I can't remember which class it was when we were in school. They take, they take a little ceramic bowl and they had this little thing. And I, I can't remember what it's called. But I, I think if you go to a pharmacy, they probably still have them. They crush pills. Some people can't take a pill. And they would crush them. That's what God's saying. He says this, that the Lord is nigh. He's near unto them that are of a broken heart. You get disappointed. How many of you have never been disappointed in your life? Every one of us has been disappointed. My wife has really been disappointed. She got a bad deal. But you know what? He says, I'm close to you. And he says he's saved as such as a contrite spirit. I love it when it is relevant for the times of decisions. I've used this verse hundreds and hundreds of times when I've shared my life testimony. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, when we're making decisions, the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I've always broken that down. And I, by the way, y'all have got a massive screen here, but if you was to put me a map, if you put a map up here, here's the way I would break down Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 when we are facing decisions and he says to trust in the Lord. He says it's really simple. He says, trust in the Lord, lean not to your own understandings, and in all your ways acknowledge him. Three things you got to do. But the Bible is so timeless and relevant that anytime you and I are taking a decision and I'm looking at that roadmap of my life and I'm coming to a point in time in my life, I got to make a decision. Here's what happens. I got to trust the Lord. But I'm looking at point A and I'm thinking I got to go over to point B and I began to tell God, I don't know about you all, but Sammy has at times said, God, I think we ought to, well, let's go over here. But he's saying this. You write this in the right side of your little notes there. Don't trust God. Don't, don't, don't trace God. Trust God. Try not to trace him. We're trying to trace him. We, we have that map of our life, and all we're doing is tracing the steps of what God has got going on in our life when he's saying, just trust me. Total reliance upon me. That's trust. I've always said this uh, when you, we talk about faith. And if I get chasing 14 rabbits, I apologize. But I will tell you this. If, if you talk about the word trust, when I was telling those men, I'll share that story with you. But when I was, had those men at the floor of Thompson Bowling Arena and I was standing there and I was telling them, now you get this Bible and you read this Bible and you trust the Lord. What I was telling was them, when you to believe means to trust, to rely. The easiest analogy I've ever shared with that is when I go to the airport and I have to get on a plane and I go in there and somebody says, hey, Joel, do you believe in the, that pilot? And he's standing there shaking your hand. You say, well, yeah, I believe he's standing right there. But what you're really asking is you don't just believe in the existence. Are you trusting and relying on him to get you from point A to point B? So the Bible, this timeless book of relevance in times of decision. It's also relevant and timeless for those times of disaster. 
Psalm 46 and verses 1 and 2, when you and I think about times of disaster that comes in our life, I love this verse, these two verses. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and through the, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. You think of this. When you go through those disastrous times in your life, they're difficult. He says, this book. If I do nothing else but tell you this, learn to love this book. This book, I've had this book, this particular Bible right here, Don's uncle gave to me. He gave to me in 1990. I've had this book 32 years. Joel even told me, Joel's the reason I don't have a cover on it anymore. He told me down there in First Baptist, you remember? He said, that's a pretty brown cover. Take that cover off of it. But it's precious to me because in times of disaster, I went in there and I've searched for certain things that, that gave me some peace. It gave me that refuge that Psalm 46.1 says. The other times of it's relevant for is divorce. And I would tell you, and I didn't just add that in there because it starts with D. Here's what I would tell you. Our ministry that I've got, that me and my wife has had for the years, we've been able to go a lot of places. And one of the things I have found out, and we have a lot of our couple friends that are divorced. They're good, rock-solid people. But I think the, where we've missed the mark sometimes as a church is sometimes we treat them as second-class citizens. And that's not to, that shouldn't be so. Now, there is requirements and certain things that are biblical. That we, but I want to tell you something. There is not a group of people that needs to be loved on more and, and to, be, to, to help because in, they're going through a time of divorce. Now, I'm not going to read all of this, but Matthew 19, verses 3 through 9, gives a very clear explanation about divorce but I'm going to tell you something some folks they they've been through a divorce and it's been worse than a death I've got family members that's been through it you have and it's it's an awful thing so this book is very very timeless and very relevant for such a time as that the other things is this and and I, I add this because I think this is the number one cause of most of us the stress when we talk about depression is debt in Proverbs, the 22nd chapter and the 7th verse, the rich ruleth over the poor. The rich ruleth over the poor. Most all of us have some kind of debt, but here's the problem with that is most of us are so far into debt that we have not put God first in our finances. And when I pray, I'll give you a little something there if you want to write out. When you pray for your family over your wealth life, here's what I tell you. Ask God to help you with your stewardship, help you with your savings, your spending, and your sharing, and see if God won't bless you. But so many of us have it upside down, and we're struggling with that, so sometimes this Bible has plenty of words to say about it. I have a book that is written by Larry Burkett. I used to uh, partake in what's called Christian Financial Concepts. Many of you may have this book, but it's a book about this thick, almost as thick as a Bible. And it simply is this, what the Bible says about money. If you're a young person, or even if you're a middle-aged or older person, let me tell you something. The debt will be something that will lay on you if you're sitting in a church. I don't care how great the preaching is, the singing, the worship is. And you're sitting there thinking, man, I've got to pay this bill coming up. I've got all this debt, and it's weighing on you. This Bible is timeless and relevant to that. It's also a, a book that's relevant to disease. 
Now, I'm almost hesitant to read this because so many of us says that we should never get disease. Psalm 103, verse 3 says, who healeth all their diseases. Well, the way God heals is different than sometimes the way man figures that. But I'm going to tell you, the first thing I would do if I'm sick and I have been there is I'm going to go to the throne and I'm going to ask God to help me. If I need healing, and I have been healed, um, I will bore you people to tears telling you stories here. Let me see. Okay, we're okay on time for a minute. Myself and Dawn, my wife. And by the way, I said I, I wanted four, four sons. Uh, I've got three of my sons here tonight. I'm so thankful for that. But here's what I would tell you. We were told you can't have children. We're not going to be able to have children. We were in the process of adopting. And when you think about those type of things and you needing healing, well, my faith was really weak. We started a process of adoption, and Bill Williams is a dear friend of mine from Channel 10 that's retired, and he's a wonderful gentleman. I'll tell you, he's a godly man, loves the Lord. But he still remembers the twins we were trying to adopt from Monday's child, Jocko and Kobe was their names. And we didn't get awarded them, but we still have the, the letter from the grandparents that sent it to us. And um, we had some dear ladies. I don't know y'all's background, if you've been in church all your life, but it was a typical Sunday night after a service at a church, and I had these elderly ladies come up to me, and they said, here, we believe God is going to give you your own children. Don't try to adopt. And I said, okay. I said, well, all right, y'all go ahead and pray, and I'm going to go ahead and try to adopt. You know, real faithful. I, I didn't say that. I wasn't a smart aleck. So a few months later, we get pregnant with our first one. A couple of years later, we get pregnant with our second one. A few more years, we get pregnant with our third one. I told her, I said, we got to call them old women, tell them stop. <laughs> so we ended up having four wonderful sons. God healed that. January of 2005, I, I woke up one morning and, and I felt a terrible pain in my chest. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I want to tell it to you. I had a terrible pain in my chest and, and we had, was working from our home at the time and my wife told me, she said, go to the ER. You're going to have to go to the walk-in clinic to the ER. And so she got tired of my whining and I did. Long story short, they found a mass in my lung about the size of a golf ball. And obviously, you know, that's not good. And so when I go back into the doctor, the first, my regular doctor was not there. The other doctor comes in. He said, well, it looks like we're going to have to take your lung out and start you some rounds of chemotherapy and all of this. Well, I was flabbergasted. So I called and had those dear saints pray and pray. And, and uh, long story short, about nine months went by and no treatments. Just every month going having the dye and the CT and the PET scans and all that. They couldn't find anything. Maybe a little scar tissue. God healed me. And I know that's what he did. So he does. In times it's relevant for that. The other thing is it's relevant for times of death. We know that the Bible says in Philippians 1. 21, for, for me to live as Christ, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. We know that. We know the sting of death is taken away. So all of that is relevant. So here's what I'm telling you. It is a timeless book of relevance. It is relevant. Anything you're going through or will go through, go to God's word and you can get an answer. I promise you. The second thing I would tell you about the reality of the Bible, of what is the Bible, it's a truthful book of reliability. The third lesson we're going to look at is the reliability of the Bible. When I think about it being reliable, <clears throat> it's great that we have a Bible. You may have some friends of yours, and you may love them to death, but you can't count on them for nothing. 
But this word of God is truthful. First of all, it's truthful. But it's also reliable. You and I can go to it and know that it's truth and it's reliable. No matter what you're going through. When you go back again and look at our text there in Psalm 119, I want you to look in verse number 142. In verse 142 where it says when we're talking about being truthful and reliable, it says, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. And thy law is the truth. It's the truth. You go to a court of law, and they used to have you. They don't. I don't even think they do it anymore. But they put your hand, place your hand on a Bible, and they say, "I want you swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth." So help you God. Well, this book is that truthful book of reliability. When your pastor gets up here to preach to you and share God's word with you, your class, wherever you're at, he is sharing with you what is known as truth and a reliable word of God when you think about that look in Psalm 119 and verse 151 he says it this way thou art near O Lord and all thy commandments are truth he says in verse 160 thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgment endureth forever I love how he says it's a truthful book you can count on it I love John 17 17 said this sanctify them Through thy truth, thy word is truth. Now, on the back of your pamphlet, I think Joel has put this on there, if I've seen it right, theonoustos. Am I pronouncing it right? It's a word that's only used, this word inspired, inspiration or inspired, it's only found one time in the Bible. If you look, and, you, and it's on your handouts in your book it there, 2 Timothy 3, 16, that very familiar verse of Scripture, when we look at that, it says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. When you and I think about this, what is that saying? That word, theonustos, inspiration, I have done this so many times saying this, but I believe this is God breathed. It's God breathed. Why is it important that you and I know that? Now, now don't jump ahead because next week and a couple of the other lessons, we're going to talk about translations and different things because somebody says, is this really the word of God? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. I will go to the mat with you, fight over that. I'll go to my grave saying this is the word of God. It's inspired, theonustos, it's God-breathed. And when you and I think about this, this Bible, he says that it, all Scripture, not part of it, but all Scripture, it's inspired by God. That's the authority of it. That verse of Scripture that we, we read there in Matthew 4, when Jesus was being tempted and Satan was tempting him, the devil had him out there. I love how he answered him. In Matthew 4, 4, when he says this, he says, but he answered and he said, or the question was asked, let's, let's skip up to verse number 3. He says, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made to bread. I love how Jesus answers. He says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's God breathed. Theonustos. So when you and I think about this, is it important that it's truthful? It's a truthful book of reliability. The third thing I would tell you tonight as you're looking at the lesson we're looking at tonight is this. It's a treasured book of reverence. When you and I think about this, how treasured is this? Is this precious to you? 
I always think of this as an illustration. If I was to be marooned on a desert island, and you know, I want my wife with me, but if I couldn't take any possessions but one, what would it be? I got to be honest with you. It'd be this book. Is it treasured? Do you love it? I always give them the three L's when I talk about the Bible. Here's what you ought to do. You ought to learn it. You ought to love it. And you ought to live it. Live what it gives you in those. When you think of this, how treasured is this book? It's a treasured book of what we call reverence. It's treasured. You ought to love it. I love how Psalm 119 there in verse 72 when it begins to give the, the uh, explanation of how it is treasured. And it's a book of reverence when it, the psalmist says, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Can you honestly say that this word of God is more treasured to you than gold and silver? Or is it a book that is just something that, man, if something goes wrong, I'm going to go back up there and look at all them relevant times when I'm going through those disappointments, those disasters, divorce or death or, or death. I'm going to go grab that book. Or is it something that's treasured? Can I tell you this? If it's treasured, it's going to be part of your daily routine. Are we perfect about that? Not all of us. Most of us are getting ready to study for trying to research or study for messages or lessons. But is it part of our daily life that we treasure it so much if your house was to catch on fire many of us would think of several different precious things most of us the first thing you'd think of and since it's not being recorded let me ask you what is some of the things you would first go for and get what would you go for what say again your guns come on brother (laughs) you're from hawaii you can't even have a gun in the state of Hawaii, right? No. No, that's a different one. You look like him. <laughs> but your guns, obviously something you treasure. I'd probably, that'd probably up our top of mind too. But what's something? What would you go for? Photos. photos. That's what, most of us will try to get photos. Our guns might survive because you probably got a safe, don't you? You're good. You're good. <laughs> but most of it's those photos and those memories and those things like this. How many of us really think about it if your house caught on fire and other than your loved ones getting them out, you grab maybe a Bible or something? Not that it can be replaced. You can obviously buy another. What's that? You would? Very good. But is it that treasured? My point is this. Do you really treasure it? Do you love it? I love nothing more than my family. I love my family so much. They are so special to me on this earth. You know, but you think about how treasured is this book of reverence? There again in Psalm 119, look what it says in verse 103. He says, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? That's pretty sweet. When you think of those things that you, and when you said guns, I love guns too. Those are precious to you. And all of those things that are precious to us, But God's word ought to be up there as well, to be a treasured book of reverence. Look what it says there again in Psalm 119 and verse 127. It says, therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. He even gives a greater emphasis on it. Not just gold, but the fine gold. 
So when you and I think of the Bible, the reality of what is the Bible, we look back and we see that it's a timeless book of relevance. It is. It is that truthful book of reliability. It is that treasured book of reverence that we are to love so much. Here's what I would close, and I'm going to tell you that as we wrap this lesson up this week is this. I would tell you, when you begin to look at this book, and we think about the reality of the Bible, here's what I would give you. When you think of this, um, first of all, the reality of the Bible is it's a collection of books. We're going to look next week, I think it is, that I'm going to look in how we got it in the form that we have it now. Unless some of you are like Joel, have been to seminary and schools and got your degrees and all of that. Most of us don't understand how we've come to have what we have now, but it's a collection of books. As we know it now, it's a collection of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. I was at a, um, uh, it was in Loudoun County back, the, back in the fall, and I was answering questions for people with the, the, the work I do. And I had a gentleman come up to me, and, and somehow or another we got on the subject, and he was telling me he was a, a minister. I said, that's great. I said, where do you minister at? And he was a, he was a senior, not the senior pastor, but a, sen- a pastor of the seniors at a church in North Carolina. And I said, that's fantastic. And he said, let me ask you something. Do you share out of the Old Testament? I said, uh, oh, absolutely. I love the Old Testament. In fact, I'm right now in the middle of a study. on I called it Majoring on the Minors of the Twelve Minor Prophets. He goes, no, it's not relevant anymore. I said, what? I said, there's so many life applications and things. I, said, I didn't know where he's coming from. So it's a collection of these books that you and I have been given. It's also this. The reality of the Bible is it, it has a common theme. What's the common theme in the Bible when you and I look at it? We call it that scarlet thread that goes all the way through the Bible, but it's also this. It's God's relationship with mankind. I've got a message I'm working on right now for, for Valentine's Day. I think it is the, that Sunday. On relationships. And the whole Bible is really about relationships. When I pray, uh, and I, I have to use acronyms because my mind, I, I'm not as sharp as Joel is on this stuff, okay? So I use acronyms for a reason. So when I pray and I come to the part, I use ACTS, Acts, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and, th- and Supplication. When I come to the part of confession, I use what is called, I use five words that begin with the letter L. I pray God for my, I confess my sins about lustful desires of not only sexual desires, but other desires that are not pleasing to him. Things that I long for or lust for that are not pleasing to him. The second one is my language. Profanity, vulgarity, and negativity. But the third L that I use is one called lukewarmness. It's what I call my relationship sins. When you, you and I think about this and you sit in churches week in and week out, we've got broken relationships with maybe a family member. Somebody's done us wrong. There's nobody in this room that either hasn't been done wrong or will be done wrong. And that bitterness is a cancer to your walk with the Lord. It is the hardest thing I've ever dealt with is to learn to forgive someone that's done me or someone I love or care about wrong. So when you think about the common theme through the Bible, it's about our relationship, God's relationship to mankind. Who's done wrong more than anybody 
in history. Jesus. But this common theme is God's relationship with mankind is how we're to love one another. What is it he says? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart. Yeah. And to love your neighbor. The last thing about this, the reality of the Bible is this. It not only is a collection of books, it's not only got the common theme that God's relationship with mankind, but it has a central theme. The central theme is this. The plan of salvation in Christ. That you and I are sinners. We have missed the mark. We've all come short of the glory of God. Now I'm thinking this is Wednesday night. There's probably everyone is in here probably knows the Lord as their personal Savior. But I never take that for granted. Most places I go, I, I don't know the people. But I would ask you this. The central theme of this Bible that we're going to look at and that you look at, the central theme is the plan of salvation through Christ. As we close, and, and, and I, I don't want to tease you too much about what's coming up in the next few lessons, but you think about this. Do I want to be robotic about my loving God's word and just going through the motions? Uh, one thing I've cherished over the years is I love to see People And I know we use tablets and technology and stuff like that. I love that stuff. It's great. Um, and I think it's fantastic. It's a great tool, and it's a tool of the Lord. But I still love to see people carrying their Bibles or their tablets or their phones or whatever. Um, some of you are playing that, what's it called, the Angry Birds. But what I would tell you is this, this common theme of his relationship. How's your relationship with him? And the central theme, are you sharing that the plan of salvation that the Bible talks about is only through Christ? I want to do something, and Joel said I could do this if you all don't mind. And I won't embarrass anybody in here, but I have a couple of my sons that needs, all my sons needs, has special prayer requests. And I want to do something. It's a Wednesday night. And I hope you'll stay with me and go through this with me because and share it, tell some other folks about it, because this is something that I love to see people get excited about God's Word and really wanting to learn how to better study and understand what God has for you. But tonight, do you, if you would, um, I want to ask you, do you have any special needs? I said it was relevant of all these times in our life. You may be going through something. I want to ask you to do me a favor. I'm a guest. You can kick me out. I don't have to come back. But if, if you don't mind, uh, those of you that would, would you come up here with me? And I just want to pray for all of you. Before we go, you should go ahead and stand. Stand with me. And I know it's, uh, it's right now about 10 minutes till. But I want to take just a moment. And I, I want to I come down here with you if you don't mind. But would you come up here with me? And I want to I ask you, I want to give you an opportunity first of all. Those of you, my family, I know one of my sons has a job interview tomorrow. One of my other sons is leaving Monday. They'll be gone for a while. And um, if you have any kind, this is what, I believe this is what helps a church more than anything. When you begin to share those things, I obviously have a lot of faith in your pastor. I love your pastor. Uh, I only had, I call them 
uh, when, as we live on this earth, did you realize you could take your one hand, take your one hand and really count what you call your real friends? If a man leaves this earth and he's got five really f- real friends, I call them those right there, not acquaintances, but friends that you could call and say, hey, I, I, I'm going through this disaster. I'm going through some disappointment. I've lost my job. My marriage is in shambles. or financially just in shambles. I want you to pray for me. Well, Joel is my, one of my five. We lost one of ours, so I, I, I ain't got many more, so hang on, brother. <laughs> but but we, here's what you got to do. Learn to share and lean on one another. I don't know much about your church, but I, I do believe you love each other. And um, tonight, I said, I've got one son that's got a job interview in the morning. He needs it. Hopefully, that's, that's where God wants him. I've got another son that's leaving Monday, be gone for a while uh, with his work. And, and I want you to pray for him. And their names is Hudson and Logan. Peyton has a job. They've got a new, new uh, baby girl that's just perfect. Uh, and, uh, and his wife, Jenna. And my, me and my wife, we've got some things going on. I want you to pray for us. But if you would, you want to hold hands, you want to kneel, whatever you want to do. I want you to, and I'll lead us in prayer. And, uh, but let's pray for one another and for those special needs we've got here tonight, okay? Father, I thank you so much for this church and how it has proclaiming your word, this word that we've talked a little bit about tonight. And Father, I pray tonight for these that have special needs. Father, I pray for, for this one, Robin Hart. For Ava and Levi, for Logan Little, Father, for this relationship that needs to be reconciled. I pray for my son Logan. I pray for my son Hudson and Peyton and Taylor and myself and Dawn and our daughter-in-laws, our grandchildren. Father, we want your perfect will to be done. Father, help us all in this room, those, those that maybe didn't mention it, but you know their heart is breaking right now. Something going on in their life. They need you. They need your touch. And Father, I want to pray that you would meet the need that is there. And Father, I want to ask you right now if you would just help. Help them to know. Give them that assurance that you love them. That this word does not lie. It's a truthful word. And that we can count on you to come through for us. Do for us and things that we cannot do for ourselves. Intervene, Lord. And Father, I pray your blessings upon this church. Everything it's done, bring honor and glory to you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much. Thank you all so much.